0: This episode is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean's Developer Cloud makes it simple to launch in the cloud and scale up as you grow. They have an intuitive control panel, predictable pricing, team accounts, worldwide availability with a 99.99 uptime SLA, and 24-7, 365 world-class support to back that up. DigitalOcean makes it easy to deploy, scale, store, secure, and monitor your cloud environments. Head to do.co slash changelog to get started with a $100 credit. Again, do.co.
1: Let's do it. It's go time.
2: Welcome to Go Time, your source for diverse discussions from around the Go community. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern at changelog.com/slash live. Join the Gopher Slack and hop into GoTime FM channel to be part of the hijinks and subscribe at changelog.com slash gotime. Okay, here we go.
3: Hello and welcome to GoTime. I'm Matt Raya. Today we're talking about organizing in the community. You know all those meetups and conferences you go to and there's food there and like great content and everything's just worked out. Well it turns out that that's quite difficult to achieve and we're going to dig into that a little bit today and learn a bit more about that I think. So joining me on today's show we have uh, Ronna Steinberg and Natalie Pistonovich. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the show. Hi, Matt. Hello. Thanks
1: for having us.
4: We
3: also have Johnny Borsico. It's only Johnny Borsico. Hello, Johnny. Hello, Matt. How's it going?
5: It goes. You know, I've been indoors for, for a little while, so I'm, uh, it's mm. good to have some human you know, interaction uh, that mm-hmm. basically aren't my family. So uh, hello, everybody. <laughs> Happy to see you. <laughs> no, no pressure. <laughs> There's loads of pressure now. Great.
3: We're Johnny's uh, friends for the week. They're right. yes. the ones he's going to get to hang out with. Yeah, so I was actually, I asked our guests for some uh, uh, mini bios, and they're not so mini. I didn't realize how much you do <laughs> for the community, I must admit. Natalie, three meetups and three conferences you organize, and that's phenomenal. And the, the one that I know about, the go Europe, is a phenomenal conference so it's it's excellent thank you. yeah so thank you so much for that and uh Rana, organizer of the women who go berlin and of the diversity scholarships for go bridge correct yes
1: i think I, i'm dragged into every uh adventure that natalie sends me away are you happy
3: about that Ronna or <laughs> is that a problem or is that okay
1: no, no, I think it's great. Um, it's working so far, so no complaints here, yeah.
4: Two so things Matt missed from my bio is that I'm a developer advocate at AeroSpike, but more importantly, I'm a big fan of Rana. <laughs> yeah, so
3: it's that's, great
1: that's on your to have bio? this
4: adventure. To, this is not my bio. <laughs>
3: that's in her bio. <laughs> for yeah. the
4: show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i missed that part i didn't read that part i'm so sorry i would have I, yeah uh, i think it's a mutual thing i think a lot of people know about this so, yeah.
3: <laughs> well that's lovely yeah well actually so that our listeners can get to know you for those that haven't met you um maybe we could start off with a a, a working from home tip from each of you that would be uh, great a uh, new regular slot of the show working from <laughs> home tips um, Rona, do you want to go first?
1: I think Natalie should actually go first. I mean, she does have more experience with this. I have uh, more experience, I think, on the managing this part. So.
3: Okay. Natalie, would you like to go first?
1: Absolutely.
4: I've been working more remote than not uh, for a while now. And mm. my the thing that helps me more than anything is to start the day as if I'm going somewhere. So have a mm. good breakfast enjoy my coffee, brush my teeth, wash my face, and change into the loungewear, which is also comfy clothes, but it's not the pajamas.
3: I see. So you make it sort of that thing of making a distinction about when you're in work mode versus in home mode. Yes. Yeah, that's a good one.
1: Okay. So for me, Mm. um, it's it's more about, I think, the quality of uh, delivering much anything so a lot of us are very used to you know the agile way of doing things delivering things very rapidly I think everybody because communication is harder right now it creates a massive amount of ping pong so whether it's defining a task whether it's um actually delivering a bug fix whatever it is it needs to be in very high quality the same goes for code reviews if you write a message to somebody who doesn't understand like, try to be mindful of other people in this process because it's addictive, right? Like delivering things very, very, very quickly, it's, it's addictive. And right now, everybody, I think, needs to slow down a little bit.
3: That sounds great. And I think you're right about, you know, this idea of asynchronous communication. When you're in an office with somebody, the conversations can be very different. You can, they can be very short little sentences, lots of kind of uh, nice pleasantries um, amongst it. But yes, if it's asynchronous, it is worth spending a bit more time on that clarity and things, especially if we're going to have different schedules as well. I think that's a great one, Ronna. Thank you. (laughs) So how did you get into organizing then? Uh, Natalie, where did your involvement in this kind of come from?
4: Yeah, that's a good question. I've been trying to think about that and probably... It goes back to since forever like i've been on the students union in school in university Mm -hmm. in throughout life and then when i moved to berlin i went to some conference that i found which was the berlin dev fest organized by the local gdg google developer group communities and i just spoke to somebody randomly and he said oh you're doing go you should help me organize the go meetup and that was uh, Suma who was organizing the Go meetup for the first three years in Berlin. And then I came to the very first meetup and he said, oh, by the way, I'm moving to London, good luck. And that's how oh. I became the organizer of the Go user group. <laughs> and then from there it came to other meetups and the idea for GopherCon started with a really admiring GopherCon in the US but not having a European version of it. So just saying, all right, let's do this.
3: Yeah. So when you moved to a new city then, is this quite a good way to meet new people as well and to kind of jump into existing communities? Definitely. Yeah. Um, go for con EU, for those that don't know, is uh, actually moves around, doesn't it?
4: go con Europe does move around, uh, not only in EU countries, but in all European countries. Yeah. We love you UK people. <laughs> <laughs> Even though that there is a GopherCon UK.
3: Right. Uh, Yes. Well, there was one in Tenerife, which was... Yes. Nobody believed me when I said I had to go there for a conference. (laughs) No one believed me. There was one
4: in Iceland in Reykjavik.
3: Yeah. The Iceland one was also excellent. Uh, And this year, what's happening? Berlin.
4: Well, this year, if you'd asked me... Few months ago, I would have told you Berlin, and this is where it would end. But now I'm telling, uh, there is a pandemic, so hopefully Berlin. Mm. See how things develop.
3: Yeah. And what about you, runner? Then, how did you get into organizing as part of the community like this?
1: Well, it's actually it's a it's a strange story, really. I lived in Berlin. I was a gopher in Berlin for two years, and then I moved to the Netherlands, and accidentally. I signed up for a meetup in Berlin, for a Go meetup in Berlin, and I canceled, I don't know, probably two minutes later, but uh, somebody was uh, stalking the list <laughs> of people, <laughs> and that somebody was not, Natalie, it was Vanessa Ortiz, who was the organizer of Women Who Go Berlin back then, and she was looking for women who were doing Go to come and mentor. Mm. And she uh, immediately checked and found my LinkedIn (laughs) immediately like, Oh, you're, you know, go, (laughs) you've been doing it for a while. Can you come help? But I wasn't even in the city. (laughs) And then I decided to, uh, to move back to Berlin. And I was basically handed down the chapter and already made a chapter. It took about, I think, two minutes uh, for me to decide when she asked me if I wanted to uh, take over to, uh, to decide to do it. And I really thought it was a bad idea, but I did it. I'm <laughs> very happy that I did it. And uh, yeah, the rest is history, as well as my uh, friendship with Natalie. And by the way, Natalie gave a talk about uh, new people and about organizing meetups and about her journey at GopherCon in Denver. And I... I but as anyone who is interested in insights, to uh, to watch it, it's very good.
3: Okay, cool. That's probably available on YouTube now, isn't it? Yes. But the thing about learning, yeah. So Natalie, maybe you could uh, give us a clue. How could people find that? What was that called? Do you remember?
4: Closing, you twenty eighteen.
3: Cool. That'll do. <laughs> <Just don't laughs> give everyone the search terms. I think it is.
1: was something the value of new or
4: the importance of beginners.
1: The importance of beginners? Okay.
3: Yes, I remember. Very good. So yeah, we do recommend that. We'll put that in our show notes as well. So some of the conferences are kind of commercial. Others are more, they're sort of just community and they just sort of balance the costs and things. And what is it that drives you to, in particular, to keep going with it? Because, I mean, I've spoken at some conferences and done a few of the little bits and pieces, but not much. And even just that small exposure, I realize how difficult it is. So why do you keep doing it? What is in it for you?
4: The chance to do some anarchy. (laughs) 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 So I never had a conference shirt in the size extra small until it was my conference. (laughs) And then it was ranging from extra small to five extra large. Right. So I like onesies for babies, which is really cute, Uh, but also more uh, other type of things like um, having spent some time living in Kenya and talking to people uh, and learning how hard and uh, disconnected the, the regular everyday in certain areas from what I'm used to from Europe got me really realizing how hard it is to to be part of this if you're not living in a place like the U.S. or in Europe. And just doing a call for paper usually will not get you to reach such people. And so I get a chance to use the network that I built there to every year to fly in speakers or attendees uh, from Africa, from Latin America, from Asia. And this is nice to be able to do this.
3: Yeah, because otherwise there probably isn't a conference or even a meetup, is there, near them? There is. But they do have meetups and conferences?
4: There are meetups. There is a meetup in Nairobi. This year, Gopher Con Africa was supposed to kick off in Nigeria. See how that goes as well with all the global plans changing. But yeah, but you see the, how big the disconnection is.
3: Yes. And being yes. able
4: to help a little bit to bridge this gap is a huge reason for me to do this.
3: Yeah, that's great. That is great.
1: There's a very exciting community right now in Nairobi, and I suspect Lagos as well, but the incredible, incredible engagement over there with Go. I think, how many people do they have right now, Natalie? I think you probably know. Uh,
4: How many people sign up to the meetup in Nairobi? Thanks. Lower hundreds?
1: No, I don't think so. I think it's higher. I'll find it. Mm. You do you, and I'll find this information. (laughs) (laughs)
3: I did a remote meetup uh, in Lagos. They do have like a—it's a great community there
4: in Nigeria. For sure, it's bigger.
3: Yeah, and if if people want to, if there's anyone out there that wants to do a kind of uh, speak at a conference or a meetup, and it's their first time, doing a remote one actually has quite a lot of benefits. You can kind of be in your, in a space that you're you feel safe in, and you know everything's more familiar and comfortable, and you can still deliver a good talk and hopefully as long as all the internets work as they're supposed to it was a great experience so i do recommend that but it is you can't really beat actually kind of going and and physically being in a place and that's the advantage to for conferences right that's the advantage to fly them over did you find that thing Ronna?
1: Yeah, I have an update. We have uh, in the Nairobi Gophers group, there are 870, this is a round number, members. Is right. a woohoo to them. Yeah, 870.
3: Yeah, that's, that's
1: nice. impressive. Very yeah. impressive.
3: And there will also be lots of people hopefully listening where, where they sort of, um, they don't feel like there is representation or there is, maybe there isn't a meetup in their area. What, what can they do? I mean, it can't be, it doesn't sound easy to just kind of start a meetup, is it?
4: That depends a lot on all kinds of things. If you have a place you can go to and ask, please give me space, then it's definitely easier to roll because you can host a remote talk, like you said, you can find maybe a speaker from the community or give yourself a talk or just host a fishbowl session, a Q&A, watch some other talk together but finding a space is not always obvious if your company is able to host this this is great if you know some co-working space that will give this this is also great but this is never taken for granted
1: well I guess it really depends on the city right if there are other active communities in your area you can approach them and see how they're doing it that's what I did Uh, it was very helpful for me I I did not pretend at, at all that I could do it on my own from the
5: start. Before we move on, I'm curious as to what some of the um, challenges beyond venue and I'm not sure if food, you know, tends to be sort of a um, sort of part of the meetups as when they organize in those environments uh, as, as they tend to be, you know, with um, sort of U.S. or, or euro based meetups. So beyond venue and food, which are common, I would imagine, across all, all meetup organization. But what are beyond these? What, what is sort of the most challenging Um, sort of aspects for like say a meetup in Lagos or or a meetup in in, in Nairobi beyond that what are some of the other concerns that you have to contend with that you necessarily don't have to you know in the states or or in the UK or something like that
4: I think that's a great question and from the little bit that I got to see is Go is not yet as popular so that you can find many people individually working on this but the network is still being built and for comparison the berlin user group i think has almost 2,000 people and many of them work in companies that are using go so and even in the berlin meetup, it's sometimes hard to find people to give a talk because they think their project is boring because they think oh it's just what i'm doing at work so if this is um, a language you're learning for fun and you're coming to listen and not necessarily to give the talk then having enough speakers is harder but this is harder with any community that is beginning and i think that go isn't just not yet as popular there another thing is what matt mentioned doing remote talks this is great that the internet worked all the way through this is also something that's not obvious and you probably need to pre-record this as a backup or just count on everybody's patience if there's some kind of a hiccup with the internet.
3: Yeah, the London Gophers, actually, they put all of their talks online as well. Um, So they're just on YouTube. And that's nice for anyone, obviously, that can't make it. But it is also nice to kind of get a sense of what these meetups are like. But you don't really see some of the main advantages uh, which, uh, which, which you get from actually physically meeting in person. Which we could, we we perhaps shouldn't dwell on at the moment, but eventually we are, we're going to be back to normal. We're going to be back at meetups and stuff. So, what are some of the advantages for people attending conferences and meetups, do you think?
1: So, the way we do things, the Women Who Go Berlin is actually what's happening right now globally is a drawback for us because the way that we do this, because when I started out, there were very few women that we could find that were, Professional in Go, and this was a Women Who Go chapter. And I wanted to train people as fast as I could. So I came up with a format where I go to companies that want to host Women Who Go Berlin, and we would come up with a challenge that has something to do with what they do. And then our members would do a real life, sort of in the industry level challenge, something that takes two to three hours, by the way, you mentioned at the beginning. Uh, the waveform going up when you uh, clicked your fingers. We drew a waveform at a SoundCloud meetup. That was pretty cool. Wow. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. We, we do them once a month. Of course, right now it's a bit of a problem. What it does, it actually leverages the fact that everybody is in the same room and then I can group them up sort of to make sure that people will finish the challenge, which is ideally what should happen and uh, we do cool things and it's it's a lot of fun and uh, yeah this is a very big setback for us so we're trying to figure out what to do right now.
3: Yeah I mean moving that all online is is for sure going to be a challenge so I didn't realize that's not just a meetup that you're describing then Ronna that is like uh, where you actually get together and work and build something.
1: It's workshops yeah.
3: Mm. So that's really cool and that's a whole different game as well so much to actually to get your hands on and get stuck into i find hands-on experience is a great way to learn for a lot of people especially me so yeah learning by actually building is a nice thing that others ought to probably think about as well
1: yeah yeah it's uh, it comes from you know my own experience i mean if there's only if there's one thing that i learned in my career it's that I learned best when I was paid to learn something <laughs> and I was mm. actually doing it on the job. And so I'm giving people the opportunity to uh, learn on the job. They have access to mentors from uh, the hosting company. The hosting company gets to maybe try and recruit people off of that so they can, you know, yeah, a bit of a market going on. I'm not going to deny it. Just mm. Hopefully, we'll get a lot of people recruited and a lot of people hired and, you know, we'll increase the uh, the community. So
3: Great.
4: Yeah, I think you touched a really important point, which is exactly this um, place to seek for opportunities because, yes, it's possible to chat with everybody in an online event, but it's not the same as talking to people from the hosting company or talking to people from other companies who are looking to hire. Many people find their next jobs in such events or in meetups or in conferences. And when When your pool of opportunities of companies that you can go to is smaller because there's not so many big companies or there's not so many companies that are using Go, Uh, to answer your question, Johnny, I think this is another big difference between uh, meetups that I noticed in Europe versus Africa, just from being present in those two mainly.
5: Hmm. I'm curious if you've encountered any perhaps sort of cultural barriers as well in those environments uh, or is the sort of age group sort of uh, young enough and progressive enough to not be hindered by by certain things that hold folks back and and I'm gonna sort of uh, be blunt here and basically say that you know in certain parts of the world Africa included which is kind of like what we've been talking about here there are men who cannot stand you know having you know a woman go up you know and, and on stage and and, and teach them and, and try to teach them something Right. That's that's a very real thing. You know, in some parts of the world, we might think that's backwards, but there are parts of the world that are still sort of very anti, you know, women being in sort of any sort of uh, leadership or otherwise kind of, you know, um, positions or even if it's for, for a 25 minute talk. Right. So that is something that can be perceived as challenging their authority in some way. So there are these kinds of things that, that still exist that that I'm wondering if they play a role, right, at least from what you've seen, if any of these things are sort of playing a role in sort of the uh, um, um, maybe the frequency or how, how well those events go, how welcoming and inclusive they end up being, you know, do, do women end up coming back to these events? You know, do they feel safe enough to be part of these communities? You know, and as we all know, there's there's toxic environments everywhere. Right. So what kind of challenges are they facing in those environments that might be different from ours?
4: that's a really great question and my answer is probably really biased because i've only participated in the events that i was invited to obviously so i did not get a chance even to be part of such events um but probably the most so kenya felt to me very open-minded in that sense and probably the most place that had let's say mo- most people with traditional outfits that is, if that's any indicator, it was actually Mauritius, an island <laughs> in Africa, and even there, um, men that had a very traditional outfit with like this kostan uh, and the um, head cover still were there and listening to my talk, asking questions, but. I'm sure that this is because they read the agenda and they saw that there's going to be a woman speaker. And if they would not want that, they would not show up there in the first place. So definitely that exists. Definitely. That's a problem. This is not something that I personally experience because usually it's announced who the speakers are, but it's, it's really important that you're raising awareness to this. So thank you very much.
3: Yeah. I was going to say there's also, um, Places that aren't hospitable to women. Hacker news. That's also on the <laughs> Some. Well, you can
4: hide better there.
5: Yeah, you can. You can yeah. lurk. You can have a male, male-ish, you know, code name, username, or something.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> Actually, I spoke at a conference in Lviv in Ukraine and I don't know really, but just superficially, the the mix was about 50-50 men and women, which did look strange at a tech conference, I must admit. And I actually made the point that in a way, I reckon if you can get over that, because we do have that problem in tech, we do have this problem. And if we can get away from it, we're going to just amplify everything, all our potential. That's the thing. I feel like we hold ourselves back by these kind of old, old-fashioned attitudes. And I made the point to those young, they were quite young students, but I made the point that if, if you can solve this problem, or maybe it's just not a problem at all, it gives you an advantage in the world, which I do believe.
1: Something I, I want to say, something about kind of a different perspective. I think there is a lot of misconception around, around this topic. There is a big misconception, I think, around this. There's something to be said for hard work and, you know, and this idea that hard work is going to get you anywhere in life. And the people who believe in these things that if you tried hard enough, you will get there. And therefore, you know, uh, in this just world bias, it's what it's called. And therefore, if, if a certain population is not getting there, then they're just not willing to put in the work, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of misconception around that because it's a beautiful idea. And the people who believe that are usually very good people. And, you know, the reality is that hard work is not going to get you everywhere. least, you know, for some people, maybe it will, maybe it won't. And also, you know, there's like we're seeing right now how much security there is in that. Right. So I think we probably shouldn't mark uh, certain people with uh, certain ideas as the enemy or you know target them as such because they're not bad people they just don't necessarily understand what is happening especially in this industry because it's very very easy to overlook certain problems that we have it's a big manifesto i know
5: yeah no it is for me personally i think i've been personally i've been fortunate enough to to have been part of the industry for a long time and i've seen sort of that that thing you're talking about where folks are like well you know you got to where you are because you worked hard. Well, yes, but I've I've also seen people who work hard, just as hard or harder than me, and because they didn't have sort of a, maybe they didn't know the right people at the right time, or you know they didn't have access to a certain person or a certain company or whatever it is. This thing about sort of you know work alone gets you to where you, you, you need to be. I, I think deep down everybody knows that's not true. That's it's it's never been that, that's table stakes. Everybody has to work hard, you know, and those who are privileged enough that don't have to work as hard and they just have the connections can go basically they can just, you know, skip a few steps and, you know, uh, again, more power to them, whatever, whatever that ends up being for them. But I think if everybody's sort of working hard, what we're trying to what we're trying to do, I think, you know, you know I'm going to. Speak for Natalie and, and for you, Rana, for a little bit here. What I think we're we're all trying to do, because I, I think we are all you know are part of the sort of this organization of community events uh, group. I think what we try to do is basically create opportunities. For, for people to learn and engage, right? So basically we're broadening the surface area for connections to happen, for learning to happen, right? We're, we're creating opportunities. We can't open some doors for people because I don't know about you, but I don't have that much pull. I can't place somebody at a company, you know, and say, hey, here, hey, have a job, right? I, I, can't, I can't give you a job. I can create opportunities, right? For you to come and to meet and to learn and to participate and to engage and to give, right? To give some of yourself and some of your time, right? And the more you give, the more you receive, right? So I think we all create opportunities, right? For these things that happen, we broaden the surface area, whereby that's something that just wasn't being done at all, you know, just, just 10, 10 years ago, right? Like events weren't focused on sort of creating opportunities for people. They were focused on showcasing certain individuals, you know, ability to to talk and to sell and to pitch. You know, I mean, if if you've noticed, meetups we didn't call them, we didn't call them meetups back then, but meetings of this this type were, were I remember when I first started going to to the meetings, and I mean, they were so high level. They were not geared towards beginners. They were not geared towards sort of uh being inclusive. And I'm not just talking about gender or race or anything like that. They they were. It's almost like they were. It was like the the, the Guild of Wizards. <laughs> you show up and 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 it's like it, they're talking about these very high level concepts and nothing against that, but the focus wasn't on building community per se. It was like, hey, we all know the magical incantations for things. Let's just get together and, and talk. It's kind of like an old boys club where you know get you, you get your scotch and your cigar yeah. and, and you're kind of complimenting each other, patting each other on the back, kind of thing. That was really what it felt like, right? It wasn't the, the focus wasn't on. Creating opportunities for learning. I know I'm kind of generalizing a little bit here, and please forgive me for that. But <laughs> that's just been my personal experience, right? So, as to some degree, I've seen that, and you know, in, in our in our tech careers, and have decided to rather than complain about it, to do something about it, right? So that's I think that's why, in part, we're all kind of in this and doing this. But yeah, I think I'm 100 percent you know beyond what you said, Ron. It's not just about working hard. That's a given. In my mind, that's a given. It's about basically finding the opportunities and in some cases, helping to create them yourself. And hopefully that comes back around and, and, you know, and it works out for you as well. But I think it's about the more opportunities you try to create for others, the more you're going to find yourself. And it's not just hard work. Never been.
1: I'd like to add actually something to that, if that's okay. Because Natalie Please. and I, we talk about this a lot. So to anyone who might be listening to this, we put put a lot of effort in the scholarship. We put a lot of effort into, into bringing people from really all over the world to uh, certain conferences where they can maybe find opportunity, which is really what we want to increase. But then there's always this concern that the people who do come are not necessarily right now, and that's also okay, are not necessarily right now at a place where they can leverage where they can, you know, just make up their mind, jump on an opportunity, and wherever it takes me, like, I'm just going to go. And it's okay, but, you know, if I could speak to anyone who uh, applies to this scholarship, like, what I would like to tell them is just be aware that the people that you're going to meet, at least some of them can actually, you know, it, it may not be you and Johnny or, you know, me particularly, but there could be somebody out there that is right now recruiting, like, create the space when opportunity knocks and you're ready you might actually take it i think it's it's very very important because we we do we put a lot of work into this and we're always worried that you know on the one hand we don't want to pressure anybody but on uh, on the other hand we don't want to see opportunities go to waste
0: How much time does your team spend building and maintaining internal tooling? I'm talking about those behind-the-scenes apps, the ones no one else sees. The S3 uploader you built last year for the marketing team. That quick Firebase admin panel that lets you monitor key KPIs. Maybe even the tool your data science team hacked together so they could provide custom ad spend analytics. Now, these are tools you need so you build them. And that makes sense. But... The question is, could you have built them in less time, with less effort, and less overhead and maintenance required? And the answer to that question is, yes. That's where Retool comes in. Rohan Chopra, engineering director at DoorDash, has this to say about Retool. Quote, the tools we've been able to quickly build with Retool have allowed us to empower and scale our local operators, all while reducing the dependency on engineering, end quote. Now, the internal tooling process at DoorDash was bogged down with manual data entry, missed handoffs, and long turnaround times. And after integrating Retool, DoorDash was able to cut the engineering time required to build tools by a factor of 10x and eliminate the error-prone manual processes that plague their workflows. They were able to empower back-end engineers who wouldn't otherwise be able to build front-ends from scratch. And these engineers were able to build fully functional apps in Retool in hours, not days or weeks. Your next step is to try it free at retool.com slash changelog. Again, retool.com slash changelog.
3: Could you tell us a bit more about the scholarship then, please? (laughs)
1: <laughs> there is a lot to say about <laughs> this scholarship i think i wrote a document <laughs> once for gobridge on Sweet how <laughs> on how um on how i i do this and i really i started with having no idea what i was doing so um Natalie uh, basically pinged me one day. It's always on Facebook Messenger. Don't ask me why, but all the opportunities are always showing up on Facebook Messenger, like the place where you least expect it from yeah. me and you don't take seriously yeah. ever. <laughs> I haven't had That's any where it opportunities
3: happens. on Facebook Messenger. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, did have, I, I tell a lie, I did have the opportunity to have some hair with one of the filters. So I enjoyed that, but well, <laughs> not quite what you're talking about, is it?
1: It's important too, though. Like, do not, yeah. Well, for context,
4: for a long time, the Facebook Messenger is where Rona and me would chat about life. (laughs) We just use that as our regular communication channel.
1: Embarrassing, really.
4: (laughs) (laughs) We have since then upgraded and we have part of that on WhatsApp. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> and slack and then there's like all the uh gophers uh, yeah. slacks all of them so there's the gophers there's the women who go one there's the uh, women who go berlin one so all of them i, I can the find e random messages yeah so whenever i want to search for something that nelly uh, sent me i have to search i think five different places <laughs> so
2: I
3: yeah i know that's pain <laughs> yep <laughs>
1: So, yeah, so she asked me to do this. I really didn't have any idea how something like that could be done. Um, and uh, I immediately then said yes, obviously, because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just how I do things. So then I found out, okay, I need to create a form for applications. And then it turns out that it's quite a headache of you know, trying to figure out what to say in that form. Because if people are replying, for instance. How do you ask somebody uh, what underrepresented group they belong to? Because when we ask them what underrepresented groups they identify with, uh, people who do not, who are not necessarily a native English speaker just said, all of them. I Hmm. identify with every single fight (laughs) from every underrepresented group out there. And so I think there's a lot of that going on and then how to get people to trust you over a form with personal information that you know is quite sensitive and a lot a lot of things uh, that happen in there then there is forming a committee to figure out who's going to uh, go which is very 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 hard to tell people that they are going to measure other people And it's a very, very difficult task, I think. And I'm glad actually that I don't rank people and I don't decide who goes because that makes my life a bit easier. And then take all of that data. And then there is the logistics of hotel flights and all of that stuff. And some of these people are flying for the very first time in their lives and they're going to be doing it on their own. Wow. So. Wow. Yeah.
3: That changes a lot, doesn't it? That changes a lot if you think it about is scary that.
1: for me you know like i find myself like once in a while like okay so do they know what to do if they miss a connection do i know what to do if i miss a connection <laughs> like i find myself <laughs> like struggling with these questions and yeah it's uh and there's a massive leap of faith happening like on the week of and then hopefully you know the magic happens and it works out
3: it's not easy so you- you must be able to build a lot of trust, though, because people wouldn't do that if if you hadn't already done that, right? If you hadn't been able to build that foundation of trust, probably you wouldn't get people being able, being able to come.
1: I think people want it enough <laughs> so that they can take. And yeah, like I, well, I mean, we email a lot. Like I get to know pretty much everyone pretty well who is going at mm. that at least. So. It's not easy because at some point, you know, for instance, something that has occurred to me when we were in the U.S. and this is actually not a GoBridge scholarship, I think, or uh, there was a woman, she did not have medical, like she did not have uh, travel insurance. And we're in the U.S. And what happens if tomorrow, you know, needs x-ray? So I think these scholarships really need to take things very, very seriously. So... We are fortunate to be doing this in Europe. If we're talking about Gopher Con Europe. It's easier because things are not as expensive. We can definitely uh, figure it out. But otherwise, I would probably have decided to fund everyone's uh, travel insurance.
4: What I would like to add is some things that uh, probably one of the biggest challenges is actually to find people to fill out the scholarship. Really? Because you made a form. Hmm. Right, you're tweeting this in your social media and you're saying, hey, friends, please retweet this. You're tweeting this from the conference social media, you're tweeting this from GoBridge. And then you have the same reach of the same people who know and are familiar with those conferences. But how do you reach those people in the different meetups we talked about that are not part of this smaller community of Go developers in Europe, Go developers in uh, the US? Starting to reach those is... I don't know, for me, feels like half of the work. This is what I did in the first year was go to meetup.com, go to womentechmakers.com. So all those platforms list different types of meetups and just start searching for keywords. And I personally texted on Twitter and on Meetup and on Facebook to those different groups. Hi, women who tech in Lesotho, please share this with your attendees. Being able to reach people outside of your immediate or even first or second degree of, uh, of connections is incredibly hard.
3: Mm. So you find existing communities and go there uh, as, as one way.
4: You make yes, this is one thing you do. Another thing is that in those events and those meetups, in whenever I get a chance to give a workshop or a talk somewhere that is not Europe and not the US, I'm making sure to stay in touch with as many people as possible so that later I'll be able to tell them, hey, this is the time for the scholarship. Please share this with anybody you think can be relevant. Mm -hmm. Just this, this part of finding enough people who are actually outside of your reach to fill out this form is a lot of work.
3: Well, I can imagine. Actually, all of it sounds like a lot of work. Yes. <laughs> so, if we have any anyone listening, who is the scholarship open for? Where can they get more information about it? Because you never know, there might be someone listening who uh, yes. don't just don't know about this.
4: We share this on the on all the twitters we can, of the one of the conference, of the one of GoBridge, on our personal ones.
5: The one thing I'll add to that is is the reaching people outside of your bubble or your sphere of influence, um, whether it be you know. Um, second third degree it's if you can manage somehow to do that I think the the one of the things that I I personally try to do is to actually meet meet people where they are not not just online but actually physically so the reason why I I enjoy being close to Baltimore is that there's a thirst there for technology and for learning Uh, and a a lot of people there look like me so you know when I when I hold and I organize a workshop I do my darndest uh, with the help of, of other community members, which I rely on quite a bit um, to help get the word out there and to bring more of those folks right into the workshop. Right. So you kind of have to be willing to sort of go into, you know, uh, those communities because those people are not going to come to you per se. First of all, they may not even have heard of, of your event or your nah. conference or your meetup, or your workshop, whatever it is. Right. So the, the job of reaching them is one Second, you have to go to them because they've been overlooked for decades. Not your one little event, right, is not going to do much to all of a sudden make them feel comfortable about coming out and being exposed, right, and vulnerable mm-hmm. out in, in, in this community that you and I may find to be very, quite navigable because we've been in it for, for you know, for, for, for a long time. Mm-hmm. But for them, it's, it's extremely intimidating. And here's the other thing too. I think, you know, the 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 importance of representation the importance of seeing you know of somebody seeing Natalie give a closing keynote at a gophercon right the importance or you? of that right uh yeah indeed for those who don't know I did do it last year uh but yeah to me like that 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 closing keynote talk you you, you gave was was inspiring because we know in the Go community specifically that a lot of the people that are coming into the the, the community are brand new. There are now more beginners, right, in the mm-hmm. Go community than there are experienced folks. That mm-hmm. that's the truth, and that number is only gonna continue to grow. So we have to somehow make it okay, right? We have to say, hey. Like, this is a community of learners, of beginners, right? Maybe you're learning Go for the first time. Maybe you're coming from a different language or a different community. It doesn't matter. We are, all, and In some sense, we're all beginners, right? Because even the, even experience within the community, we are learning from the beginners as well, right? We, it's not like we reached a pinnacle and we've stopped learning. Like, we, we're still learning, too. We're all learning together, right? So the, the importance of actually making it okay, right, to say, hey, you know what? We know it's intimidating from the outside, but let us help you right? be part of this community. I think it's it's huge. So, yes, kudos to you, Natalie. And that, that, was, a, that was a very enjoyable talk. It, it kind of gave me courage to do mine uh, the following year. <laughs> but, yeah, I think these things are important.
4: Well, thank you for a great talk.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, they're both, they're both good. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs>
3: they're all right. Johnny had a quote, which was great, and it said... Uh, community gives back. So it's like this idea that you you don't just expect the tech community to just give stuff to you. It gives backs. And the best way to sort of get in, best way to be part of that community is to sort of get stuck in. And I think that that point resonated quite well. It definitely makes sense. When you're organising something, it's all about that organisation and all the effort you go into making the plan. Or is there an element of improvisation that has to be there because when it comes to it, <laughs> you, you don't know what's going to happen.
4: Of course, there's a huge uh, place for for that. Uh, there's a saying that what's not flexible breaks and you can make all the plans you want, but if you insist on 100% sticking to them and then something unexpected or changing or different from the plans happen, if you are not open to improvise, this will not work.
3: I'd love to hear any stories that either of you have <laughs> for things like that. I love it when things go wrong, but then the last minute, you save the day. That's the kind of story we want. What we don't want is something went terribly wrong and, you know, <laughs> it ended in and tragedy. And plan,
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Oh, yeah, if it, was, if it was the plan all along, that's a, uh, an entirely different that's sort of evil organizing in the community. We'll do a separate episode on that.
4: Well, this is the reason I was proposing the name Chaos Engineering for this episode, because making a conference is a lot like that. Mm. Uh, you you do your best to have a good. Uh, the equivalent of uptime would be things functioning as planned, but you always have to be prepared for when it's not going well. Because preparing for when it does go well is is the easy part.
3: Mm. It's kind of like writing Go code. We we deliberately handle errors <laughs> all the time, don't we? It sort of expect things to go wrong. <laughs> It kind of works.
4: Yeah, pretty much error-driven development, right?
3: Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. And what about you, Rona? Have you got any? What's the sort of worst thing that's happened, but it's been okay in the end?
1: The worst thing that happened. I feel like there's been a few. I never remember them. Like they never make an impression. Oh, that's good. <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, like yeah. I guess because i thing like if you have a mature enough community. Things can break and nothing will happen. Well, there was this one incident where I twisted my ankle on the way to give a talk at Natalie for Natalie's group uh-huh. in the GDG Golang. And uh, they ended up having a fishbowl uh-huh. instead that ended up being an amazing actual experience for diversity, I guess. It was a victory there. Do you want to tell the story?
4: You summarized it
1: pretty well. I I wasn't there, so I actually don't necessarily know what happened exactly because (laughs) I wasn't there. (laughs) You
3: can't tell the story. You can't tell the story because your ankle. (laughs) This is great. It's like your ankle broke on the way to telling this story. (laughs) Uh, So, Ronna, what what did they do instead? (laughs) I missed it. It sounded like you said there's a fishbowl.
1: I was told a lot of stories about what happened, but I actually cannot—I can't give a first-hand um, yeah. account for this. Stuff.
4: So we th- th- we started the fishbowl session with um, Ellen, who was the first speaker, and myself. We proposed the topic of the becoming a GDE, mm. and then there were some questions around that. And then the next topic was—gosh, I cannot remember—but I'm, I'm pretty sure the topic that impressed Rona the most was when one of the <coughs> women who go members who came to this meetup and she started asking the crowd on being a beginner in go and she got a lot of great tips and was uh, practically handling the crowd on her own for about 15 minutes and learned a lot taught the group a lot
3: that's great
4: rona was this what you're focusing on
1: yeah I guess I think like uh I think it's like the uh the story of the year as far as I'm concerned by the way uh <laughs> she uh she just got a job as a full uh full pledge gopher so uh All right. to her
3: yeah oh there you go
1: yeah you,
3: <laughs> she wasn't responsible for your breaking your ankle though right
1: the twisting <laughs> just, uh, then I didn't actually twisting, break sorry. it and i i probably mm. i was probably a little i dramatized it just had too so much I guess <laughs> you know I really didn't uh, my ankle really didn't fit into my shoe and I really couldn't walk but the next day I could oh, wow. and I felt very silly so, oh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah
4: this entire meetup was a one huge adventure because it was the first meetup of this year of 2020 and usually we have the last meetup of the previous year or so in December in the beginning of December and then the first meetup of the year in January we have in the end of the year So this is the one time where we have more than a month apart, but almost two months apart. And it's the holiday season. So everybody's out of office and like longer vacations and so on. And our hosting company was not answering the emails. They were not answering on Slack and they were not answering on Twitter. Mm. (laughs) And uh, it's been a few days that they were unresponsive and we started uh, pinging them in a slightly more intense manner. And then what ended up happening is that the day before the event, I went to their office in person (laughs) (laughs) And said, hello, we all have a meetup tomorrow. You tried Slack, you
3: tried Twitter, you tried email, you tried all the ways that you can get through. I also called
4: them by the number on Google Maps.
3: But then, (laughs) final result. No
4: answers, yeah. And then then I showed up in person and then they said that since they committed, so usually companies commit a few months ahead, we Mm. have this kind of a queue. Uh, They decided not to use Go, so they would not be interested in hosting us anymore, which is normally fine. But when it (laughs) happens one day before the meetup, this is less cool.
5: I know, they could have said that. (laughs)
4: That would have been so
5: much easier. (laughs)
4: Yeah, yeah. And um, then I started tweeting, so anybody feels spontaneous and would like to host us? Because we have two great talks and we have people you know, have babysitters and whatnot ready to come to give, uh, to, to listen to talks. And then mm-hmm. um, after a few hours, they decided, well, we made a promise. We'd like to keep the commitment. And so the meetup went through as planned. Yeah. So this was a, mm. <laughs> a perfect way to start the year. You know, it's like a gun in first act. Yeah. To what's going to <clears> come <throat> to this year in general.
3: Yeah. And I like to think that that company then allowed the meetup to happen and then saw it and thought, Do you know what? We're not going to use Rust we're going to go back to go.
4: Oh, that's this what, would be if, amazing. I should gets, ask them, you know.
3: You're right. <laughs> if, we get, if we make this into a Netflix special, that's what has to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to give people what they want.
0: What up, nerds? i got some pretty awesome news to share with you. Plural Sight is totally free for the entire month of April. I'm not kidding. Seriously, head to Pluralsight.com slash changelog and skill up while you stay at home. For the entire month of April, you'll get access to over 7,000 courses from experts in software development, security, cloud, and data. There's never been a better time to skill up. Head to Pluralsight.com slash changelog. Again, Pluralsight.com slash changelog.
3: So as attendees, as people that are going to take part in this community but um, aren't involved in organizing, what things can we do to make your lives easier? That's always an interesting uh, thing to think about, I think, and often the answers surprise me, so it might be nice for people to hear. Is there anything in particular that we should or shouldn't be doing that we do that we probably just don't even know we're doing it?
4: I would be curious to hear, after answering this, what is the most surprising answer you heard? Okay. So the two things that I would love for attendees to do is one, assume everything is on good faith. This includes things like changing plans or not doing things as you hoped it will be or misunderstanding something and so on. And mainly being the first person to follow the instructions. For example, when you say break is over, go back to class, leading the group to go back into the room. There's not enough words to stress how helpful it is to stick to the agenda and to, to make things smooth, mm. to clap whenever it's the time, to laugh <laughs> if somebody said a joke that is like, it's funny enough for you to understand that this is a joke,
3: yeah.
4: to tweet, to share whatever you learned on social media, if it's Twitter, if it's uh, writing about this on your blog and so on. All those Brilliant. small gestures really help yep. a lot.
3: The, my problem is, right, when I do it, I sometimes do try and do a joke, but I, I miss out that bit of letting people know that it's a joke. That's the bit that I miss out. <laughs> Otherwise, I feel like they would be laughing. But, yeah, they just don't know it's a joke. They just think it's a
5: sentence. <laughs> so, so if you have to tell them it's a joke, yeah. it's not.
3: <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't tell them. It's just awkward silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Ronna, wh- what do you think? Yeah, what about you, Ronna?
1: Keep your RSVPs up to date, I guess, would be the first thing that you know would come to mind because we don't want to waste food. I'm not going to say that we're wasting beer because this is Berlin and we never waste a beer, but I mean, <laughs> at least the food. Don't want to waste food.
3: Mm-hmm. And also if it's sold out, it, gives, it frees up a slot, doesn't it, for someone else to go? Yeah. So if you can't make it, go back into whatever tool you said you were going to make it with and... Tell, let them know you're not going to make it that is important especially yeah. i mean the london one the london meetup the good london gophers it's packed it's sold out every month or you know was and so that's especially
5: important if you if you're at capacity yeah so one story i know you like stories Matt, so i'm, I'm gonna give you a story gather around everyone <laughs> could you do it really close to the mic johnny so it sounds like you're all yeah. close and I'm going to use my deep voice for you. <laughs> yeah, <cool. laughs> People are love that. I'll get letters. <laughs> so in the early days of community organizing, I learned a lesson that I've never forgotten. And to this day, it, it is one of the sort of the core principles that I hold to when I'm organizing uh, meetups and, and, and things like that. I had organized an event and sort of dealing with the same logistical issues that Natalie was just talking about, right? So, you know, basically had planned for an event to happen at a particular venue on a particular date, um, you know, ordered food and all that stuff and sort of, you know, do, doing all that logistic stuff. And then it turned out that the, uh, last minute sort of the organization sort of uh, um that we're going to we're going to host the event the location um, they had an event happening on that day it was very last minute <laughs> and we kind of had to you know sort of sort of uh, um, scramble they virtually the same story <laughs> now you just talked about right so you so are you scrambling sort of last minute and, and then uh, thankfully I had like, a, 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 like, I think it was like three, like two or three days, right? It wasn't like the day before, you know, like nowadays, but really like close enough to be like, oh man, it's like, you know, I might as well just, you know, maybe I was, you know, maybe it was my ego. I was just kind of bruised a little bit. I'm like, this is, you know, I don't like this, right? Yeah. So I decided to cancel the event, right? Mm-hmm. And later on, right, and after I'd organized sort of a makeup or follow on event and whatnot, Later on, I had somebody come during that event and tell me, "Hey, um, you know, the last time you had organized this event, you know, I'd gotten babysitter, I'd made arrangements, I had uh, uh, basically, you could tell they're from an underrepresented group, so they're they're already struggling, right, uh, um, financially, right, to be able to set time aside from work. They probably you know work multiple jobs and they had to take time off." And they had to find, you know, babysitter. You know, mm. like a, go out of pocket. There's a certain side of this tech industry that we all live in that we just don't see, right? We, because we're we're you know we're all making good money. And we're all technologists, you know, coders, developers, programmers, whatever it is. We don't see those trying to get in. We don't see the same struggles because if we did uh, struggle like that, we're long past that. So we've forgotten, right? So for those of you who have forgotten, remember this, right? The Folks that are trying to get into this this community, folks that are trying to be just like you, right? You are the, the the person they want to be when they grow up, right? Folks that are trying to be just like you, right? They have to overcome a lot more struggles than showing up to an event. They have so much going on in their lives, right? In order for them to actually make that event, right? They have to make some sacrifices, right? That you may not never hear about, right? As an event organizer, as or even as an attendee sitting right next to them, right? So. That lesson, basically, I, I took that to heart. I was like, oh, you know what? I cost somebody, right? Time, money, anxiety. I created an unwelcoming, sort of a, a non-inclusive, non-caring situation that I'm just glad they were able to come back, right? And try again a second time. But after I learned that lesson, you know what? I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to put together an event, okay, I better make sure that I have maybe have a backup or a backup or have some sort of alternative or I, I try to go out of my way to like at least try ahead of time. There's some things you can't control as an event organizer and, and Natalie and Rana will will, will tell you that. And, you know, you just can't control for all the variables. But and, and you don't have to. You just have to You have to factor in that like, there are some people that are going to make some certain sacrifices to be part of, of something that you're putting together. And you as an attendee, right, there are some things you can do, right? If you are SVP for an event especially when that's been sold out and you no longer want to come just on RSVP, right and create a spot for somebody else to who perhaps has made some sacrifice so that they could be there so that's for them for them to be able to, to make it right and if your organizer you know if you're going to a conference and they have a, a scholarship uh, program like Rana organizes, like, give money to that, right? These are some very real, very tangible ways you can actually help, right? Or community organizing, conference organizing, meetup running, that's not for everybody. We're not asking everybody to do that. But as a fellow human being, there are some things you can do to actually show support and be supportive of those who are doing that work, right? So I just wanted to sort of put that out there, you know, because I think sometimes we all forget that, you know, the, the, our day-to-day, the way we, we sort of go about things in, in tech like, there, there's, a, there's an entire other side of that that we don't see, or we don't get to experience because we're so far removed from it, but it is there.
3: That's a great, yeah, great thing. Thank you. Well, it's that time again. It's time for our regular slot, Unpopular Opinion. <laughs> So who's got an unpopular opinion they would like to share? It can be tech-related, but doesn't have to be. It can be about organizing, but doesn't have to be.
1: Ronan, do you want to go? I can go. Unless you want to go. Please
3: do. (laughs) We've got ourselves a polite-off. I know, so polite. Yeah. uh... (laughs)
1: Live lock. Yeah. um... (laughs) You don't have to have two cases to generalize behavior to an interface to to take an interface or to use an interface as far as I see it. And this is coming from my experience before Go. And I think it works very well with Go as well. Uh, Interfaces are a good way to implicitly document what kind of behavior you anticipate from the type that you're taking in and, and what kind you don't, right? It creates a small subset of things that the type should be able to support and the first thing that you even see when you look at the function signature is the function signature and the first thing is, uh, that you see is the types. if you have that documentation can be a little bit more loose um, the behavior of the concrete type can change but your function is decoupled for generations to come and any maintainer will understand What they're supposed to be uh, doing with this code, and what this code is supposed to be able to do, and what, especially what it cannot or shouldn't be doing, or you didn't anticipate that it should be doing. Yeah, and there is another point there because in Go, when using an interface, we are causing an allocation to the heap. So there is something to say about that. Um, It's a performance enhancement, obviously, or not necessarily something that uh, you should be considering. But if you're program does require that kind of zero allocation consideration you might want to forget about everything that i just said but i think that we should treat this as a limitation and not as uh, in go and not as something that is wanted and is a good ex- uh, experience
3: yeah so interesting so i hear sometimes and i think i've said also sometimes that it, talk about this idea of early abstraction. But what you've said really does make sense about, you know, if you're using an interface to tell a story, or I like what you said about um, you can just choose a subset of what you need. So if there is a concrete type that you're thinking of when you build your thing, but you're only going to use a couple of the methods, having an interface with just those couple of methods in is a great storytelling and communicates very clearly the intent of you know, what you're going to use that thing for. And of course, the fewer methods, the easier interfaces are to implement as well. That's a great one, actually, Ronna. Thank you very much. Sure thing. Yeah, that's going in the hall of fame, that one.
1: Really? Oh my God.
3: (laughs) Yeah. We don't have a Hall of
1: Fame. I am bowing right now. You can't see me, but I (laughs) am bowing right now.
5: See, Natalie Natalie Madarunde, she was clapping, so they're going to think they have to cut that out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're not cutting that out. We said this is a sign for keep, right? (laughs) You are not cutting that out. That remains (laughs) forever. Okay.
3: (laughs) That remains. What about you, Natalie? Do you have one?
1: Yes, I missed the
4: note that the unpopular opinion should be Go-related because this is a <laughs> Go-related podcast.
3: It doesn't have to be Go-related. It doesn't, doesn't have to be, no. Okay, oh, all right. Yeah, anything.
4: Then um, it has a longer preparation. So diversity needs to be improved on many different fronts. Some fronts have improved. Some fronts have improved less. Um, it's hard to say there is any front or any type of diversity that is fixed and the problem is no longer there. And I'm putting a lot of work into gender diversity, Rona is putting a lot of work into general diversity, but for me, gender diversity is not the main goal. Uh, I don't have a main goal when I'm working on diversity. And one goal that is very close to my heart is bringing people from different countries like we spoke today. And I prepared some numbers. So GopherCon Europe um, speakers who are born, raised and live in an African country in 2018 was 10%. It was supposed to be higher, but too many people had their visa either rejected or just never responded to. So that we applied all the documents, we prepared everything, we helped the speaker gather all the documents they need and they just did not hear back. And we ended up with having a 10%, so one out of the 10 speakers actually coming from an African country. And this still was a way bigger effort than reaching 50-50 speakers of men and not men. That was GopherCon 2018. In 2019, it was slightly better, two out of the 12, came from an African country. And in 2020, the current lineup is four out of the 28, which is still pretty much the same. Cloud9, it's also one of eight. And B-Sides, which is a small local conference about security that I'm doing, is one of six. I have yet to break the the limit of 20% of the speakers coming from uh, an African country, which is a personal mission of mine. And it's really, really hard. Now, this was all the preparation. Here goes the unpopular opinion. <laughs> <laughs> a conference that has a lineup of speakers who, who are diverse, but still all of them are coming either from Europe or from America or the US, is not the most diverse thing. For me, it's I am looking, but I'm looking to evaluate the conference, whether they are Really diverse. On my criteria, I'm looking where the speakers, which countries they come from, and if it's not an easy country where the visa is not an issue, for example, um, or giving such an opportunity is not it, it is a big deal versus a huge deal. This is what makes a difference for me, and it's it's like a not a good recommendation to give to conference organizers to focus on this because it it's uh, basically recommending people to do a lot of extra work, because working on somebody's visa requires your legal preparation with probably five different types of documents. On top of that, uh, this is just from Europe, Uh, I'm sure the US is harder, uh, at least in these times. So on top of those types of uh, legal documents, you have to prove all kinds of financial support. You have to prepare things like flights even though that they don't even have a visa yet, they already need to present tickets, accommodation, which is maybe slightly easier, plenty of documents to show that those people will go back. So rental contract, uh, health insurance, connections, like if you're married or you have parents, a job, um, last salaries. So basically you're spending many hours with each person you want to bring, whether that's a speaker or an attendee, just making the legal parts of it. And still I find this incredibly important as an aspect of diversity, and I think this is not being discussed
1: enough. I'd like to, uh, to add to that one of the issues that I was struggling with. So, I had also uh, my own struggles with uh, bringing people to go GoToCon Europe as attendees uh, with the diversity scholarships. And something else that has been nagging at me for the past three years uh, is how intimidated they are by authority. So depending on where they are, some places more than others, but depending on where they are, they treat authority very differently than what I would or, you know, a lot of people would. And also in a lot of countries, these services are completely privatized. So they don't actually meet a German trying to enter Germany, they will meet some private company, we don't actually know anything. So for instance, Germany might on its own, for instance, say, like, great, so somebody is going to come in, they have hotel, they have, you know, they're going to pay here, there's going to be some, uh, some business done locally, that's great for our economy, but I don't know necessarily what kind of, what is going on through the heads of a private company, and how, at the end of the day, how people are going to be uh, treated when they show up. Hmm. And I have no idea how to guarantee, for instance, how this meeting is going to go. And there's a lot of fear around this. And yeah, definitely not discussed mm. enough. Thank you, Natalie, for bringing this up.
3: I wonder if we could make like a video of, of seeing a kind of the end-to-end process for, just to sort of show that it's at least possible. Because I understand that reluctance to, especially if you've never been on a plane before, just imagine that and you're going to just fly somewhere and someone's definitely going to meet you at the airport you just wouldn't <laughs> you just can't imagine those things happening probably
1: no they're very adventurous i'll say that like we're definitely getting you know the uh <laughs> hmm. yeah, i love every single person uh, so far and also the people that we couldn't bring <laughs> like really so it's, hmm. uh, it's definitely a privilege
3: you know the all the all the diversity that the go community has uh, makes it a better community. So thank you to uh, for everyone on this and everyone listening that, that does help with that, does contribute. Um, I think we should try and be the most diverse community, tech community there is. Why not?
5: So I don't have a lot of unpopular opinions too often. <laughs> it's a good opening. It's good opening. It's a strong start. But... <laughs> Uh, and maybe it's not even an unpopular one, but uh, um, so here's 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 something I've been thinking about um, a lot lately. I'm not sure if it's because, you know, we're all home and can't really go anywhere, um, shouldn't really go anywhere, and, and just more time to think. But <sighs> diversity efforts shouldn't only be the burden of those carrying it, okay? If you recognize the benefits of a diverse community or, or workplace, then get off your tush and help make it a reality, hmm. right? If you've been sort of wishing, right, that your local tech community was was more diverse, stop agonizing, organize, right? You, you, you can play a role in this. You can't leave it up to others. Uh, least of all, those that are trying to sort of step out from from that shadow from that cloud right it's 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 everybody's responsibility not just those who have to deal with it right? so there's room there right
3: mm. that's a fair point i mean it sounds like a targeted attack on me but <laughs> uh, as, a, as a general point i think is yeah absolutely right i mean that's a good point this you know that's why talking about this stuff is important because this is how we find out about these things you know, because it's not, it's not obvious. This stuff isn't obvious to um, people that aren't in these groups, you know. So, yeah, that, good point. Fair, fair point. Community gives back, I guess. Again, it's what you were saying at your, in your keynote, Johnny. Johnny's keynote is also are still available on the internet. You can find it with your favorite search engine by typing <laughs> in something, Johnny or something, and then, you know, I don't know the exact keywords, but I assume Johnny and then <laughs> keynote, Johnny Borsico. Mind you, spelling Borsica is also a bit of a challenge for people, isn't it? Maybe.
5: It can be. uh, But the internet will help you. My watch has found it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's all the time we have today. Thank you so much, Natalie, Ronna. Um, It was great. Uh, Thank you again for all you do. And we'll see you all next week.
2: Thank you for listening to this episode of Go Time. If this show has informed you, entertained you, or brought you joy in any way, please leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts, star us in Overcast, heart us on Spotify, and tell a friend. We truly appreciate your support. Thanks again to Rana and Natalie for joining the show. Y'all are a ton of fun. This episode was hosted by Matt Ryer with Johnny Borsico. It was produced by Jared Santo. That's me. And our music is brought to you by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. We have awesome sponsors. Please support them. They support GoTime. Special thanks to Fastly, Linode, and Rollbar. That's all for now. We'll talk to you next time.